Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our online stream. We're so glad that you've joined us today. I'm here with Pastor Lucas. We're gonna be answering the question today, what do I do when I've come to the end of myself? I think it's a question that lots of us have been asking in this season in one way or another. We're super excited for that. Uh, stay tuned for what that's gonna look like. Before that, we're gonna jump into the unknown. Pastor Lucas has not been prepared for what we're about to jump into, and neither have you guys, so we're gonna jump into the unknown together, so stay tuned. I'm a little scared. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us again. I'm here with Pastor Lucas, and I have to ask you a question. Okay. How do you feel about like the unknown? <sighs> Intriguing and perhaps unnerving. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I'm not, this is weird for me because I'm not somebody who likes to just be in the unknown. Uh, but today for our preamble, before I uh, share my message today, we're just gonna jump into a random question generator. So, so I literally just Googled like random question generator. Okay. So I don't know the questions that are coming down the pipe, neither does Pastor Lucas. But as we ask these questions, I wanna hear from you guys as well. So feel free, as I ask that question of us, for you guys to share kind of what your answer to that question would be too. So we're just all jumping into the unknown together. So the first question that has come up is, how different was your life one year ago? Oh, so different. <laughs> Everything was different. I feel like that was an easy question. Yeah, I, I mean, what can I say? So different. Not in a pandemic. Not in a pandemic. Routine. Yep. Um, oh, so much better. Yeah. Different time. Different time. It feels like a lifetime ago though. It does. Yeah. It's crazy that a year, what a year makes. Well, last year at this time, uh, I was probably had a phone call very recently with a pastor from a church in Pal River, <laughs> where I like vaguely knew about, but didn't really know super well. Um, asking if I would consider applying for a position that they were uh, looking to fill. Uh, I was working at a job that I was not super pumped about uh, and figuring out what life was going to look like. And so it's crazy yeah. that like we're almost, I'm al I've almost been here for an entire year. Um, and so that's where I would have been. So I was yeah. in a different city, different life stage, uh, just everything. everything yeah, was August a year ago, uh, I was on a motorcycle trip and we stopped a mission and had coffee yeah. with you for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Time flies. I know. Hey, it's weird. Okay. Next question. You ready? That's a funny question that we're going to skip. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a funny question. What would be the worst buy one, get one free sale of all time? Uh, well, if you watched, if you watched our uh, video two weeks ago, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say yams. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cause buying one yam is nasty. Um, I let alone getting another one. The first thing that came to mind uh, is is a two for one laxative sale. Um, because uh, it depends on how messed up you are, <laughs> well, I guess. But true. Um, I just Sorry. feel like that would never be something that we would want to ever experience. So um, we'll see how that one goes. Oh, that's a good one. What fictional place would you most like to go? What fictional place would I most like to go? I'd love to see the comments, see yeah. what you guys are thinking. Maybe you're more creative than I am. Hmm. You know what, just, it's a classic, it's a classic place. Uh, I'd, I'd go to Narnia. Oh, you stole my answer. Yeah, I'd go to Narnia. Uh, but like, okay, I would go to Narnia as well. But I, I would go to 
I would go to post Evil Queen Reign. Oh, see, I would have been like. Or no, maybe pre Evil Queen Reign Narnia. Me too. Yeah, to see everything before everything got kind of redeemed. Uh, my, mine was less cerebral. I just was like winter, so I'm like, sweet, winter, <laughs> Narnia, that's a good combo. Um, well, then I guess I'll see you there. Okay. If you were given the ability to make one new trend and it would be instantly popular, what trend would you create? Oh, wow. I would go with kindness online. That's a good one. Assuming the best in people. That would be my that trend. That is profound. I yeah. hope that that happens. Yeah. Um, I think if I were to make one trend like instantly popular, it would be the like general acceptance of not wearing shoes in the workplace. Um, okay. Right now I am wearing shoes, okay. but like the second I get to work, I take my shoes off. Uh, and I don't really know why that is, but I just like, but would I it, like. Would it be discriminatory then in the workplace if you had colleagues that when they took their shoes off, it was like fragrantly offensive? Yeah, that's like, a good Like how would thought. you manage all of that? That's you know, a good thought. Not, or would you have foot washing stations at work? <laughs> you have to like, you have to like pre. There would be a protocol that you'd have yeah. to like walk through. Okay, well I, then maybe my trend isn't a good <laughs> trend at all. We'll just go with yours. How about that? All right. Thanks guys for joining us. We're going to jump in to our message right now. Thanks Pastor Lucas for jumping into the unknown. Thanks. And thanks you guys for doing it as well. Thanks for freaking me out. <laughs> well, good morning everybody. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel. And if you joined us with us at the very beginning, we talked about answering the question or asking the question maybe perhaps of what do we do when we come to the end of ourselves. So last week we heard an incredible message from Pastor Lucas beginning our God in the Pandemic series but how grieving and lamenting is the first step to entering a new future. What I'm preaching on this morning almost feels like kind of part two of last week's sermon where it comes to again our response in this present situation. Like Pastor Lucas said, this season has raised more questions, I think, than it has answers. And as somebody who really likes control, this season has been quite the ride for me. Well, today we're talking about those moments where we come to the end of ourselves. Where we experience some moments of grief or anger or desire for just something else, whether personal in our own life or corporate as we look around the world and just don't know what to say. We, we don't even really know what we know anymore. This morning, as much as it would be so nice, I'm not here to actually offer any answers, but rather to invite us all into a moment of permission. Permission not to know in this season, period. Not to know. Because in this season, it can be really easy to feel the pressure to try and find the answers that fill our discomfort, that fill our pain, that fill our questioning in this season. The reality is this is an incredibly existential moment, this moment of understanding our true existence because we recognize our limitations in almost an unprecedented way. I know at the start of this season, I tried very hard to kind of wrap my head around why this moment was happening, what my response should be, how I'm supposed to, to live and act in this, in this uh, pandemic. I tried to come up with like kind of neat and tidy answer. And to be honest, I've really actually come up with none. And as I've listened to many authors and podcasters and thought leaders, both Christian and non-Christian, I've heard them try and explain this pandemic, what, 
we should do, how we should act, how we should be innovating, what we should be um, doing as a church and as an individual. But what I've kind of seen in, in reality are people swinging to two very polarizing places, either fatalism or fanaticism. And what, I, what I mean by, by that is, is with fatalism, the idea is kind of, well, we don't have any answers. So I'm just gonna passively live right now. I'm gonna passively allow what's around me to happen. And I'm not necessarily gonna live in a sense of acceptance or denial. I'm just gonna kind of be in this strange limbo. And what do I mean by fanaticism is this. Well, if I don't have the answer to all of this, I will lose my relevancy, I will lose my position, I will lose my sense of control, and so we become this kind of fanatic of trying to explain away this present situation. And as we look into our, our book, God and the Pandemic, I think what N.T. Wright is doing is presenting a different thing, not, not necessarily an answer to the, either of these approaches, not a middle ground like we so often try and strike here, but he does something completely different. He simply calls us to be people of prayer, to just simply do that, to be people of prayer. Beyond a theologian's thought, scripture itself also invites us into this moment of not knowing by partnering with God in what N.T. Wright calls prayerless prayers. And I'm not lost on the irony here. It's a little bit funny to preach a message based on being comfortable at being at a loss, not knowing, praying these prayerless prayers. How can I preach a sermon when I just said that we're at a loss? When I just said that we don't really have any clear answers. But I believe that the, what we're doing this morning is not answering a question. We're not answering a question. I think we're answering a call to be people of prayer. Well, one of our values here at Evangel when it comes to prayer is we begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. But what if the amen is all we know how to pray right now? What if we don't even know how to pray the amen? Where, where we, what we mean by that is amen means let it be so or let it be done. What if we open our mouths and we try to express or understand this season and we have absolutely nothing. Have you been there? Whether during this season or maybe in a different one? I know I sure have. I know I sure have. So today we're going to look at the passage of scripture that N.T. Wright is referring to in this quote. Even in this season where so much is stripped away, the one place that has not been touched, tainted, or affected is God's kingdom which is both here and now and also not yet. And the not yet will come when either Jesus returns or we meet him in eternity. God's kingdom is still advancing, even if we don't know all the answers, even if we're experiencing profound and indescribable grief and loss. So what is our role as believers in this season where we feel like we're at the end of ourselves? Well, if you're taking notes, would you write this down? When we come to the end of ourselves, prayerless prayers inspire faith. When we come to the end of ourselves, prayerless prayers inspire faith. Today we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 28. We're going to turn there and read now. And if you're joining us and you have just been encouraged by me to open your Bible and you actually don't have one, if you go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, 
we have options either download a digital one or if you live in the Powell River region that we would love to resource you with a physical Bible in your hands. So feel free to go there, fill out a form or grab that online option for you as well. But we're gonna read together. Romans chapter eight, verses 26 to 28. It says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that when we don't know that you're still with us, that when we don't have the answers, that we can come to you in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our confusion, and without words or without saying anything, you know. So God, we thank you. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are here in the unknown. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, this total chapter in verse 8 is talking about how we live in light of God's Spirit living in each one of us. It's this like triumphant, exciting, powerful message for both the hearers at the moment of receiving this letter and also for us as we're reading it later in history. But sandwiched in the middle of this chapter is this passage that we just read that talks about suffering, that talks about weakness, that talks about the challenges that we still face even though we walk in the Spirit. Throughout the passage in chapter 8, the, there's a term or a concept that comes up quite a bit. The term or concept groaning comes up a, a couple times at kind of a macro level when they talk about creation and a micro level where we groan as believers ourselves. We see the word used in uh, verse 22, 23, and 26. It's quite often used. I'm going to read those verses. It says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have, been the, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I think since this, verse come, this word comes up so much in kind of a short, small, concentrated section of verses that it's important to look at what it means. Romans 8 is actually one of my favorite verses in this book of the Bible. But as I realized, as I tried to unpack this concept of groaning with Pastor Lucas this week, as we we're kind of discussing, that I actually couldn't really explain it, and it's because I didn't really understand it. What even is this idea of groaning? It sounds noble, it sounds brave, it's kind of like a badge that we get to wear where we're like, oh, I've really been groaning in prayer. But what does it mean? Like, what, what does that look like for us? It's really hard to kind of articulate that nuance. So we're going to take a look at the definition of these words uh, in the original language of Greek, because it helped me better understand it, and so I hope it does for you as well. These words all come from the same root word, but they have slightly different meanings when they're used in the context of the sentences that we find them in. These are some of the ways that, these are some of the things it can mean. It means a deep sigh, especially brought on by circumstances creating great pressure to groan because of pressure being exerted forward, or to express grief, anger, or desire. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I think that those definitions very much describe the way that our world is right now. Maybe describe some of the ways that you've been feeling too. When we look at this passage, we see that this groaning while the world is in pain is for two reasons. One, as Pastor Lucas talked about last week, to grieve for our world and the profound loss around us. But this groaning is also an expression of a deep, deep longing for God's kingdom to come without actually knowing what it looks like. This is what Paul is saying when he talks about groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions, for adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies in verse 23. In this season, it seems like many of us have maybe come to a point of realization that we actually don't have all the answers, that we are not as invincible as we once thought, that our world is fractured and it's broken and it's in need of God's redeeming power through Jesus Christ. I know as I've prayed in this season, it's felt just incredibly deficient. It's felt incredibly overwhelming because when I come into prayer, I don't even really know where to begin. I don't even know how to articulate what I've been feeling in this season. And yet this passage says that this is actually exactly as believers where we should find ourselves. Being comfortable, being at a loss, and praying prayerless prayers. N.T. Wright makes this statement. The Apostle Paul implies that this isn't something that we ought to be ashamed of. It is a natural place to be. It is a kind of exile, a kind of fasting, a moment of not knowing, not being in control, not sharing what we may think is glory at all. Yet that is the very moment when we're caught up in the inner triune life of God. Here is the dark mystery to which our present situation might alert us. The one thing we know from all of this is that not knowing is itself the right place to be. When it talks about the inner triune life of God, what N.T. Wright means is that as we groan, we, we just read that we groan with the Spirit and God offers, or God hears those prayers because the Spirit kind of translates that to his heart. And then Jesus moves in our life as well. It's kind of this, we get to see a beautiful picture of how God Jesus and the Holy Spirit kind of work together in our lives and in our world. But that's the one thing that we know from all of this situation is that not knowing is itself the right place to be. When we come to the end of ourselves, prayerless prayers inspire faith because we have such a deep, unavoidable need to partner with the Holy Spirit who advocates for you and for me and not only advocates for us, but joins in our groanings that are too deep for words and communicates them to God's heart and according to God's will, according to his kingdom. N.T. Wright makes another comment when he says, that is our vocation. That's our job, that's our role, to be in prayer, perhaps wordless prayer, at the point when the world is in pain. Isn't that so freeing for you today? Isn't that so freeing to, to, to feel the release of not having to know all the answers, to not have to have any of the answers, to not have any of the words even, but to simply come exactly as you are to the feet of Jesus. And in wordless prayer, 
allow the divine in you to do appeal to the divine above you, as C.H. Dodd explains it. In doing so, faith is inspired, and Jesus' kingdom advances on this earth. Because it's not the eloquence of our words and prayer that make them effective or powerful, but rather the fervency of our hearts in partnering with the Spirit in those wordless prayers. As we were developing the outline for this series, Pastor Lucas wrote something so profound and so true, I think, for our current position as a church. He said, perhaps the call of the church isn't to get on the loudspeaker with answers, but rather to get into the quiet place of not knowing how to pray, but praying nonetheless. Perhaps the call of the church isn't to get on the loudspeaker with the answers, but rather to get into the quiet place of not knowing how to pray, but praying nonetheless. Well, this season has shown some beautiful expression of Jesus' kingdom being established here on this earth through our faith. I've seen people rallying around those who are without and providing. I've seen the reorienting of our priorities back again to kingdom values. I've seen people be radically faithful to God's church, even when it's not ideal, even when it's not what we're hoping for in this season. But the reality is this season has also shown some dark parts of us and of humanity as well. Because here's the thing, friends. If we as believers are jockeying our political stance and opinion more than we are praying, if we are debating the validity of our health measures more than we are praying, if we are criticizing and combating others online or in person for what we feel they should or should not be doing in this season more than we are praying, then friends, we have missed out on partnering with God in this season of advancing his kingdom through prayerless prayers. Because unless we come to him with those prayerless prayers, our groaning quickly becomes grumbling. Where it's not about our soapbox that we can stand on in this season. It's not about that thing that we wish that we could say. It's not about our groaning turning to grumbling. But for me, Personally, as I have had such a clear and profound look into my limitations, into my brokenness, into my fragility in this season, it has caused the same sense of groaning that are too deep for words. This grieving, this anger, this desire that offers no answers still, but that has allowed me to partner with God in establishing his kingdom in my life and in this world, it has been painful and difficult and feels almost impossible. But I, I realize that the only thing, truly, truly, the only thing that I can cling to in my weakness in this season is Jesus. Period. It's Jesus. As much as this season has been painful and challenging, I have begun to realize that this is actually where I must remain now and even beyond this season, with a deep and intense longing for God's kingdom to be established here and now and in completeness when Jesus returns. N.T. Wright says that praying prayerless prayers means that when the world is going through great convulsion, 
The followers of Jesus are called to be people of prayer at the place where the world is in pain. May we all be people who, when faced with pain and unexplainable moments, respond first with prayer. Not respond first with a comment, not first respond with a political um, perspective, that doesn't first respond with an action that we feel like people need to take, but simply with prayer, with prayer, to inspire our faith because the kingdom of God advances through prayerless prayers. And as we offer our prayerless prayers, our faith begins to grow. It may not feel like that at first. It may feel almost imperceptible and slow and like nothing is happening, but it does begin to grow. And we begin to shift, as we understand that it begins to shift the way that we live and think and do and respond to be the same way that Jesus did as he established his kingdom on earth here when he was on earth. And he writes, as a call to Jesus' followers then, as they confront their own doubts and those of the world through tears and from behind locked doors, is to be sign producers for God's kingdom. We are to set up signposts, actions, symbols, not just words, which speak, like Jesus' signs, of new creation, of healing the sick, of food for the hungry, and so on. Well, Pastor Lisa is going to be kind of sharing more about this idea in the coming weeks. But friends, the sign that we are to be showing people is Jesus, period, period. We don't point to this people to the sign of the times. We don't point them to something different than, than that. We point them to Jesus and only to Jesus and exclusively to Jesus. He is the only sign the only sign that people were waiting for, both in scripture of the, the revelation and the, the event of the kingdom of God happening, and he in this season is also still the only sign that we must point people to in this season. After walking through um, kind of this expression of weakness and yet profound, pay, profound faith, the apostle Paul kind of shifts to a little bit of a, to, to a very well-known verse. It's one that I've memorized. It's one that's been a great comfort for me in times of trial and challenge. It's Romans 8.28. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Traditionally and truthfully, this verse is one of great hope, where even in the worst of situations, in the moments of our pain and of our grief, that God can use it in the life of the believer for good. He can recreate our circumstances and cause good out of them. When we read the verse in this way, it, it means that we ourselves individually are the beneficiaries of God's goodness if we love him and do his will, that we are the ones who get to hold that benefit. But also this verse is sandwiched with those Verses that we just pray, just read about praying prayerless prayers of not knowing how we ought to pray, about the Spirit helping us in our weakness. What does that have to do with those verses that we just read? Well, I want to look back at one of the de definitions that I gave earlier for groaning, because I think it's important to understand for this verse. It means to groan because of pressure being exerted forward. Our prayerless prayers 
as we partner with God and the Spirit, begin to propel us forward into faithful action. Prayer is not passive. It's not passive. Even when we have no words to offer and simply just don't know why, we are still able to participate in God's kingdom. This is kind of the dichotomy of the life of the believer. Not knowing, not having answers, not really knowing how to pray, but investing and, and partnering in the kingdom of God together. But again, what does this have to do with Romans 8.28? What does it have to do with all things working together for good? Well, as we read it, we have that one perspective, but N.T. Wright offers kind of another conclusion of this verse, which totally changed my perspective, which really shifted my understanding. And it fits kind of with this idea of active but prayerless prayers. N.T. Wright, who is much, much smarter than I am, he looks back at the biblical Greek, he looks back at the, the ancient language then, and in his understanding of sentence structure and subject of the verse, he would put God, actually, as the main subject of this verse, and not all things. So when understood this way, this verse could actually read it just a little bit differently, but I want you to catch it because it reads differently in such a way that changes our understanding. It reads, in all things, God works together with those who love him and are called according to his will to bring about what is good. In all things, God works together with those who love him and are called according to his will to bring about what is good. The first definition I gave means that we are like beneficiaries of God's goodness. It's still true. We are still that beneficiary. But I think the rendering of this verse that N.T. Wright proposes is also true. Because I think it moves us from not only being the beneficiaries of God's goodness, but to also be people who are responsible for being active partners with Jesus in spreading God's goodness by faith. This is how our prayerless prayers inspire faith. By us understanding God's goodness in our lives, which shifts our desire to share it with others, not just in words, but also in actions. Well, as we close, I want to just share one more quote from N.T. Wright. He says, God has called his people to be part of his saving purpose for his suffering world. Believers at this point may not have words to speak their lament, but they may still have work to do in healing, teaching, poor relief, and comforting. Friends, as I've been preparing this message and just praying through what this looks like, it absolutely breaks my heart to know that there are people who have been, been enduring this season with the same sense of grief and loss and pain and lack of answers that you and I have, and yet do not have that hope found in Jesus. That their laments have been offered and said and expressed, whether in word or without words. And yet they do not have the spirit to inspire faith and hope in them. That, that is the reality of some people's lives right now. And it breaks my heart to know that there are people living with that. And so as I conclude, I want to offer a two-part response. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says, But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. 
I think some of us in response today just simply need to offer some prayerless prayers today to, with permission given to us, because sometimes we need it, to not have the answers, to not even have the words, and yet to pray those prayerless prayers by partnering with the Spirit. Some of us need to, at the end of the stream, simply just come to Jesus in our questioning, in our brokenness, in our pain, and partner with the Spirit in groaning in prayer for our lives, for our world, and for his kingdom to come. I don't want you to rush this moment. I think this is, for some of us, the first and only response that we need to have right now. Some of us need to just linger in this for a while before we know how to respond in any other way. I need you to know that you may not find answers, but I pray what you do find is renewed and inspired faith. It's not about being on the loudspeaker, friends, but rather getting into the quiet place of praying, even though we don't know what to pray for, period. But I think there are some of us who need to be signposts in word and action for Jesus to those around us. Because we live in that tension of having no answers and yet still being able to point others to Jesus's kingdom. To be able to point them to the only source of hope and the only source of comfort and the only source of life in this moment. Maybe not answers right away, maybe not a sense of resolution to what's going on, but to Jesus, who in our prayerless prayers groans with us. And so some of us need to do that in our community. If you're joining us today, and if you're exploring faith, and you have just been enduring in this season without the hope of Jesus, can I encourage you that if you feel like you come to the end of yourself today, that Jesus is waiting for you there in this moment. He has already offered you salvation and hope for a future through his death and resurrection on the cross. And what it means is that we just need to submit to him, submit our life to him, and ask for, for the forgiveness of our sins. There is hope in him for you today, that even though you may not all get all the answers as to why the season is happening, that there is someone there to partner with you in the unknown and who gets it more deeply and profoundly than anybody could in this world. So if that's you, I want to pray with you. And, and this is a prayer that I want you to say to you if you want to accept Jesus today. So I'll say the words and then you can repeat it in the quiet of your home, wherever you find yourself. God, thank you that you are here in the unknown. I recognize that I have come to the end of myself. Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I ask for you to forgive my sins today and that you would partner with me in this season and in my life. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, that's an incredibly like, life-changing prayer that you can make today because it means that you are no longer have to be without hope, but that you can find, maybe not all the answers, but hope in Jesus. If you made that decision for the very first time today, we really wanna just walk with you in this season because uh, it can come with lots of questions like we've been talking about. It can come with lots of unknowns. 
And to have somebody here to walk with you is something that's really important for our community. So if that's you, uh, would you just text us either at 604-210-8535. One of our pastoral staff will, will chat with you, or you can phone us here at the church until noon at 604-483-4283. We would love to just chat and pray, pray with you and to celebrate this moment with you. Uh, if you are a believer and you need prayer for something and you are finding yourself challenged in this season, we would love to pray with you as well. So those same numbers you can reach us at. Well, thanks guys for joining us today. Thank you so much for partnering with us. I pray that as we leave this moment, that we would be people who pray prayerless prayers so that we can inspire faith in us and in others. Thanks guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.